Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. My name is Bella and we're here for another week, which is very, very exciting. I'm not going to lie, guys. I haven't been in the chatty mood today. It hasn't really been... I think it's because I've been on my own too much. I have really had a solo week. And the solo weeks aren't the fun weeks, but solo weeks are sometimes necessary to get my dissertation finished. And so I'm glad that I've had it because now I am in a good position and I have sent off my first draft. Drumroll, please. How exciting is that? I have finally got to like the first door and I've passed through it and now I've got to like she'll read it make some changes well not make changes but like give me some feedback on it I make changes and then it's gone and then I'm finished then I finished my master's then the year's over and I don't know how I feel about it to be honest I've kind of been ignoring it I've kind of really not been thinking about the fact that it's nearly over soon and that my life is about to massively change I was talking to my friend about it because we met up for lunch at uni and I hadn't seen her for ages and she was saying how she felt really sad about it and I suddenly dawned on me that I literally haven't thought about it at all like like actually stopped and thought about it proper proper you know those things that you just kind of know are coming but also really just don't know they're coming either. I think it's because I have such a busy, like the next six weeks are pretty mental. So we have this week, I have next week, and then it's my birthday. And all of the girls apply, like planned a big surprise and I don't know what it is. And I'm so excited because I love surprises, but I don't know what's happening. And then I have, I'm going to my sister's birthday and then I go to Vietnam. And then after that, then I start my new job. So all of a sudden it's going to be like, bam, 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 bam. So this week, which has been a little bit slower, I guess has been needed and I'm glad it has been slower because it's put me in the position that I can now feel more confident about work you know like the first draft in and it was making me feel a little bit anxious quite anxious to be honest about how I was going to get everything done but knowing that I have managed to get everything done and that I am in a good position and the work I've produced is something that I'm proud of is like a big step forward because I think my biggest thing with my ADHD that I've really struggled with in the project is second guessing myself like not being 100% sure that what I've done is right and I know it is and like I know I couldn't have done it any better but there's always that little thing in the back of my mind that's like you need to do this five thousand times until you can be sure about it and that's something that I've really had to kind of work on I think that's something that the project's told me is to have like a bit more confidence but I've never had to work on a project for this amount of time like I've been doing it since January it's August this is six months of my life literally wrapped up into 10,000 words but it will be You know, I'm proud of the stage I'm at and it will be a relief to submit it, I can't lie. Because I just want to have some downtime in London before everything starts getting a bit mental. Like having some downtime to just do fun London things. And this is why I am glad I have recorded the podcast today. I've been putting it off, I can't lie. I feel like because I had last week off, which is why the guest episodes are good. Because it kind of gives me a little bit of a break. Although, I'm not going to lie, I don't really have one lined up for August. So, we're just going to have to cross that bridge when we come to it, but I'm not going to stress myself out about it. I want the podcast to be something that we all really enjoy and I don't want it to ever become a source of stress. So, it might not follow the biggest routine and that's okay because it really is just a phone call between me and you, you know, like we don't need to have, we don't need to have plan and structure. There's no need for that. Recently, I've been having to do a lot of things I don't really want to do. 
like right sounds really silly I know I love recording podcasts and now I'm doing it I'm like why did I not want to do this I love recording the podcast but because I've been on my own quite a lot I've been distracting myself from my thoughts and if you subscribe to the podcast then you'll know this week's episode is about like digging a bit deeper and kind of unpacking things that are actually going on inside your brain because I've tried to make myself do that because I think when I'm on my own can kind of numb myself to different things that sounds a bit dramatic but because I don't talk, like, I've literally been on my own for like four days, which isn't even that long on my own, but I think it's because it's not my usual routine to be on my own. I have just been like watching so much TV and scrolling and reading and all of these things are really great things. Maybe not scrolling, but you know, ignoring that. All of these things are really good things, nothing wrong with them, but the way I've been using it is literally constantly Even when I go to sleep, I have to have one of the calm sleep meditations on. Like, I can't sleep to a quiet room because I get really scared about being in the house on my own. Like, I get scared that something's going to happen or I hear a noise and I'm like, what was that? Like, my imagination is wild and I've been dreaming loads and loads and loads at the moment. I had a dream last night that... I posted a video on TikTok wearing a face mask and like, not gonna lie, I look really ugly in it. And I got attacked, like so brutally attacked on this video about how I looked. And I remember being like, well, I don't actually care. You guys know I've got a face mask on, but still it was a little bit brutal. And I don't know where all these dreams are coming from. Maybe that's indicating I'm scared of, I don't know, posting videos it all stems from I did a tarot card reading and one of the things it said was like you're gonna post something and you're gonna get like bad comments or you've got to push through negative comments and I guess it made me think about posting something but anyway apparently there's nothing more boring than hearing about other people's dreams so sorry guys Uh, but let's get to more the life update type stuff because it has been a busy it's been a busy time since I've last spoken to you I can't remember when I did last speak to you had I been to see Underworld yet I think I had I think, I think I hadn't. Oh no, I had because I recorded the podcast on the Saturday and I genuinely thought I was going to die, I can't lie. That was a brutal recording. But since then, I have been to Sweden, which was so cool. My sister is um, going to university out there at the moment. So me and my family went to go and visit her and I've never been to Sweden before. I loved it. I really, really, really liked it. It took me ages to realise that the style of house isn't just typical of ski resorts and they weren't just trying to replicate a ski resort in every single town. That is actually just the typical style of, like, Swedish, Norwegian homes. I'm kind of generalising there. But you know what I mean? Like, North... Is it North Europe? Like, there's something that you call those that group of countries and I can't remember, like, Denmark, Finland, Norway, Sweden, you know... I can't, I can't remember what you call, oh, it's gonna, that's really gonna annoy me, but something that you call those countries, I'm really annoyed that I can't think about it, if you know, please message me, because I'm just gonna google it after this, but uh, I'd never been before, and I liked it, did uh, the side down on the buffet situation, did actually nearly make myself throw up, because I ate so much food, see the issue is with ADHD, is I get very stressed about decision making, and so when someone offers me a buffet, that is a dream scenario because I don't have to decide anything. I can literally have every single thing that I fancy. I can have a piece of watermelon. I can have some yogurt. I can also have a cooked breakfast. I can also have three different types of fruit juices, six different types of coffee, five different types of pastries, donuts, biscuits. There was even a cinnamon roll, like a giant one that you just cut things off. I was living the dream. But it did mean that I started to take things a little bit too far. And by the last day, I thought, 
you know what, this is excessive. I just, I just felt unstoppable. You know when you feel like it's rude to leave it? And also, I think I also had the mentality that because I was like, I'm never going to be able to eat like that again. I'm living in London. I can't afford three different types of melon for breakfast. I can barely afford one type of melon, although I have got over my watermelon hyperfixation. My current hyperfixation is green smoothies. 10 out of 10 would recommend a smoothie mix bag from Little. It costs £1.60 on their current offer. Imagine if I, that was an advertisement. That would be so smoothly incorporated. But no, I just go there way too often. I actually think it's £1.69 or £1.89. But it's great. If you chop some nuts on the top, mm, I kind of fancy it now. I think I'm on my period because I just cannot stop eating for the life of me. Anyway, I was telling you about Sweden. Sorry. So... We had a lovely time. What did we do on the first day? We arrived and then we went for a little explore and then we went out to this really lovely pizza restaurant. And then the next day I had to do some dissertation work, which in the moment I was kind of like, I don't want to do this. This feels like a waste of time. Looking back on it was not a waste of time because I got so much ahead with my work. And I think because I had to rush doing work because I had an actual timer at the end, it really made me focus because I literally, I sat in the breakfast room and I think I had eight coffees. So that was like, 16 shots of coffee because I was having double like cappuccinos every single time I was like a machine it it was flawless and so I did that and then I met with my family and we went walking around and we went charity shopping and I got this skirt which my sister says I look like Stephanie from Lazy Town which is rude Jemima if you're listening that was rude it's like uh you know it's quite nice though I think I think I think it has potential I think it has potential. It's like a mini skirt, kind of like a tennis skirt, but it's pink. But not like bubblegum pink, like a baby pink. And I was like, if I wear you with one of my white tube tops from Next, by the way, if you want to buy the tube tops that I wear consistently, you're always going to be from Next. It's £7 and they're so great and definitely recommend. I have so many of them now. I don't, I have three, but I want so many of them. They have a khaki green one, which looks really nice. But anyway... I got that skirt. Then I also got, I've been really wanting to get, you know, those like sleeves that people wear with like a baby tee or something. Just just the sleeves. I don't really know. Like it's like a very small cardigan, like a ballet cardigan. I've been wanting one forever for ages. And then because of the currency exchange in Sweden, I don't really know how much anything cost. So I kind of just thought this thing was only a pound. And it turns out it wasn't a pound, it was like £10, which, not gonna lie, if that was the UK, would not have spent £10 on it, but it was just a little ballet cardigan, and I think it will be cute, and also it'll be really good for Vietnam, because if you want to go into any, like, temples or religious spaces or places where you need to be, like, respectful, you can't show your shoulders or your knees, but you often get given skirts, but sometimes if I want to wear, like, a strappy top, then I need a little cardigan that just shoves in my bag, and so that was my main reason for buying it. Will I take it to Vietnam? Who knows? But it's a good idea nonetheless. And then the most Swedish purchase I made, I bought a pair of really like heeled wedge clogs. No, they're not wedge. I don't even know how to describe them. They look like your feet shouldn't fit on them. They look like it just looks really small but because it's such a high up arch your feet actually do fit in them and they're like wooden and kind of clog like with leather on and silver stars studded into them now i'm describing it i realize they don't sound the nicest but promise i i promise they're spectacular i might wear them for my birthday although although louis graduation wearing those heels 
That was traumatic. I just, I don't know if they, I think these ones are comfier. They're not as high up as the other heels that I had. I just need to practice walking around in them, but I am a bit scared I was going to break my neck. And I kept having this fear being home alone that I was going to fall and no one would find me. So I decided to stop wearing the heels in case I fell and no one found me because that would, that would not be a nice way. That would not be a nice way to go. Other things that I ended up buying and doing, we went to a lovely bar and it just made me realise how sophisticated other cultures are with drinking. Maybe it was just the bar we were at because I know you could go to any British bar and be surrounded by sophisticated people, but I feel like British drinking culture is so much more rowdy, like so much more rowdy. And there was just like this group of like 25 year olds and they were sat playing, I don't know how to say this word, I want to say balls, but it might be bowls. But I don't think it is balls, I do think it's balls. So we're going to go with my first choice of balls. But you know that game that's kind of like bowling, but it's not bowling, where you just try and like roll the ball to be closest to the little ball. Well, they were all just playing that. And there was a DJ and there was just people were just drinking, but like fun drinking. And I just thought, wow, this is sophistication. This when I imagined what being a grown-up would be like, that's what I imagined. That just like quiet confidence, like, you know, it made me realise I want to have more nights like that. I, but then I do, I do love a fun night out, I can't lie, maybe, maybe I'd find it boring, I don't know, we did get invited to play balls, but I realised it's what, it's like being invited to play pool, me and my sister realised, because initially it sounds like a very fun idea, sounds like something like, you, oh, one of those moments you just say yes to, but these people weren't joking around when they were playing, this was a serious match, and I am not a serious player, if someone, oh, once I got asked to be on, I was working at this pub and I got asked to be on the pool team, the way my heart dropped, the way I felt physically sick at the thought of having to play pool in front of this group of like 25 men who took it very, very seriously as a player who has only played one game in her life. No, thank you. I, I can feel the judgment already. So no. But anyway, we did that, and then the next day, we kind of did the same thing, woke up, walked around, we were going to go to the museum, but then we swapped it for this massive fun fair, and they had this massive sustainable fun fair, literally in the city centre, it was outside of my um, hotel, it was crazy, and they had re like really big rides, like Alton Towers type vibe, like big, big roller coasters, and we went on this one wooden one, which, it didn't look scary, I, it really didn't look scary, but... Jesus Christ. It went really, really fast and up and down and like round and round. And I know that's the whole point of a roller coaster, but it was quite a lot, I can't lie. And then the next one we went on was this one called Helix, which I thought was, I found that less scary than the first one because I think it felt safer. It felt kind of typical to, you guys wouldn't have been to Flamingo Land. Flamingo Land's like this kind of <laughs> like theme park near where I live that's not like the best theme park, but a theme park. <gasps> I wonder if the girls are taking me to Thorpe Park. <gasps> I hope no one's listening to the podcast and I hope I haven't worked it out, but God, maybe they're taking me to a theme park. Not gonna lie, girls, if you are listening, it's a Saturday. It will be very busy, but I do love theme parks, so there we have it. So, um, but what was I saying? Yeah, the next one, it was kind of like more of a typical roller coaster, so it felt less scary, but my mum went on it, and I went on with my mum, and that was the funniest thing, watching her on that. That Honestly, those memories will last me a lifetime. And then we went to this sushi restaurant, and it was the nicest sushi I've ever had. I had this coriander mangi... Oh, 
what did I just say? I had a coriander, a mango, and salmon piece of su like sushi plate, and then there was this like spicy tuna one, and then there's this tempura prawn one, and it was called Evolushi, and I'm not gonna lie, great name, guys. Like, they really did well. I think that's a very smart name for a sushi restaurant, Evolushi. Like, I, I liked it, and they had the, their own one, which had... I think it had salmon in it again, but it was delicious, and I love sushi, and it made me just mm, feel excited to start having an income so I could start making super nice meals because this has been the other thing since I came back I kind of realized I have been eating the same four meals on rotation for about three months now now no judgment please but I tend to find a meal that I like and I know how to cook and doesn't take that long and just rotate it so it will be a chili a tomato pasta greek food so it would be my classification of greek food is like halloumi or a feta salad thing with falafel which actually isn't greek that's turkish but you know what i mean like a saladi tzatziki thing with falafel and i'm not gonna lie that's maybe a curry and those four meals will cycle like on a cycle because each of those will last two days so two four six eight that's about a week and i can just go back because i feel like i've had a break from those meals but no, I need to start eating new things. And I'm going to talk more about this and new things I've done this week. So moving on swiftly to what this week has brought. And this week has brought a lot of studying. Not that much exciting things to tell you. Apart from I have therapy tomorrow, which is exciting. Because I've had a break from that for the past two weeks because she's been away. And she was asking me, how are you feeling about it? Before I left. And I realised... I was like, I'm feeling all right about it because I'm going to make sure I carve out time every Friday to like spend some time with my thoughts and blah, 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 blah. Have I done that? No, not once. I haven't carved out any time for myself. And I've been thinking a lot about whether to carry on therapy after I finished university. And it's made me realise that, well, she said something really interesting. She said that you kind of only started this quite late in the year, which kind of indicates that like maybe it's not that much of a priority and not having it for the past two weeks has made me realise how it really isn't a priority. I will just do other things instead of it because I'll feel tired or something. And so that's definitely something that I'm trying to be more aware of, but I'm also just trying to be kind to myself because it's been a busy week and I'm exhausted. I'm also going to cover my period. I did my slowest run of my entire ever life today. I was plodding along and I couldn't realise why. I just felt so heavy and like, not like heavy weight heavy, but like heavy because I'd just eaten. And that was a bad idea. And I just felt like, ugh. And now it makes sense because I've got really bad cramps. I'm like, that's why I felt tired. This is why I felt emotional the past couple of days, you know? So it kind of all makes sense. But anyway, this week's podcast, we are talking about having more meaningful conversations because it's something that I feel like we don't talk about enough. We don't talk about the ways we can make conversations matter. We don't talk about the cues that you need to pick up on people. We don't talk about how you can ask questions that can really start a whole new chapter of your friendship. And that's why I really wanted to talk about it today. But I love you and make sure that you are not paid subscription. You don't have to do that. That's totally optional. But if you can just subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to it, that would mean the world to me because then I know how many of you are listening and then I can, you know, get in contact with people if I want to get in contact with people about them being a guest on the show. But anyway, on to the content part for this week's episode. So this week's podcast is on having more meaningful conversations because I think it's definitely something that I craved 
when I was growing up. And I think it's something that you only really start thinking about once you get older. It's one of the reasons why I started my first podcast with my friend is because we felt like we wanted to have more conversations about what was going on and kind of digging a bit deeper in how we felt about things or why we felt the way we did. And I think a lot of what's going on in my mind at the moment is about perspective and the clarity that perspective gives us and how having perspective can make you see things in a new way and the importance of that and I think that is why as you get older you start to gain a perspective on the things going on in your life and you want to have more of these conversations because you realize that there's something bigger going on things are more important things are more valuable you know that there's bigger things there's bigger fish to fry and I think this was a big thing for me especially after Covid I think I went through a breakup I was spending a lot of time on my own and I started to realize that like The conversations where I didn't feel like I connected with people in a proper way really left me feeling drained. Like, they left me feeling, like, itching for more. Drained is the wrong word. They left me feeling, like, thirsty, if that makes sense. That sounds weird. Um, I don't mean it like that. They left me feeling like, like like craving a bit more of a conversation. Craving connection, I think it was. I think I'd spend so long being lonely that... Now I was craving connection and the way I wanted to have that connection wasn't through just nothing conversations. And now I am careful saying nothing conversations because sometimes I think you can connect with people through nothing conversations. Like everyone hates small talk, but I love knowing what you had for lunch. Like genuinely that you you telling me what you had for breakfast, lunch, lunch and dinner, I really enjoy that. Like I actually really find that very interesting. No joke, I find that interesting. But you know when it's with someone that you just don't really feel like they're connecting with you and they don't want to connect and you don't want to connect and it's just like a bit of a meh conversation where you're kind of in the conversation, you don't feel like it's going anywhere, where neither of you are getting anything out of it. Those types of conversations are not the ones we want to have. And I think when you're younger, when you're 15, 16, not to be patronising, but no one's really thinking about the bigger conversations, you know? Like, I don't remember ever having more like, what is the meaning of life conversations, you know? People aren't really having that. And I think, again, these conversations become more and more as you get older, kind of dissecting what's going on in people's lives and then analysing it and talking about it. Like, I love having a deep, meaningful chat. Like, DMCs when you're really drunk are so much fun. Like, I love having a chat where you feel like you're genuinely so much closer to the person than you were before. You know those conversations where you feel like you've just, you've just, like, upped a level of your friendship? I love those conversations. I love talking about the same thing over and over, dissecting it. I love hearing about your dreams. Like, I really like conversations where I feel like I'm getting to know you more. Because I think ultimately in life, that's all life is. Life is a series of connections with the people around you. And the way you can develop those conversations is through those important conversations. And I think this is why I value those conversations so much. Because those are the conversations that let you have those connections. And it's the conne- it's the connections that really matter, you know? And so this is why I want to talk about this on this week's podcast, is how you can start having those more meaningful conversations. How you can make sure that you are creating a life for yourself and of friendships and having the conversations with people that let you grow as a person, but also let them grow, let you create a safe space where you're allowed to talk about anything, you know? So if you are like me and you were craving kind of more of these conversations where you felt like you wanted to get closer to people, the first step I think in creating the safe space for these conversations is looking at yourself, looking at about how you are, looking about how you're acting and asking yourself if you're creating an environment where people feel able to talk to you about things. How you present yourself in a conversation matters. I think one of my strongest skill sets is I am good at reading people. I am really good at reading people. I feel like Maybe it's the ADHD, but I used to do this thing. This is kind of embarrassing and I don't know whether to admit it, but I'm going to admit it anyway. I used to do this thing called hyper focus and not going to lie, I kind of thought I was magic. And I was like, I can 
focus on someone really intensely and like analyze everything about them and if I look at everything that they're doing then I'll listen on reflection I now just know I have ADHD and that's why I can't focus but I'm not gonna lie I thought this was a little superpower that I could do or I could like really intensely focus and something special would happen in my brain no that's just distracting myself from everything else that's going on but anyway besides the point I'm good at reading people. I am very good at reading people. I'm good at gauging how someone's feeling. And I think that's such an underrated skill set because you can't learn that type of skill. That skill comes from practicing and practicing and practicing and watching and listening. And I think this is the thing. The first step, the ultimate, like the beginning, beginning, beginning step is kind of watching people and seeing how they react to different things and getting a good understanding and gauging how people are. Because... Once you're better at gauging how other people are, you start to realise how much you present yourself in a conversation matters. Your body language matters. If you're sat with your arms crossed, you know, it's not creating a very open environment. If you're not making eye contact, if you're going on your phone all the time whilst you're talking with them, you know, if you're constantly just distracted, it's not going to create an environment which is going to have that type of deep, meaningful conversation vibe. The level of conversation that you have to get to before that, I feel like you've got to connect before it happens. Like, you know an avatar where they do that little connection thingy? You've got to connect before you can have the big conversations. You've got to feel like you're on the same wavelength because otherwise it just won't feel real, you know? You're not going to open up to each other if you don't feel like you're in a safe space. And so the first space is making sure that you are creating an environment that people want to be by making sure that you're just being open to conversation, making sure you're fully focusing on them. And I think so much about conversation is how you are received by the other person. So in order to make them feel comfortable in that moment, so much about conversations, about being able to listen. And I think in deep, meaningful chats, having that meaningful conversation with someone, so much of that skill set is being able to listen. Just listen. Listening to what they're saying, listening to what they're truly saying and creating a space where they are able to say what they're feeling. I think quite often when people have deep, meaningful chats, I don't, I need to stop calling them deep, meaningful chats. Like, I mean, like when you have like a conversation with someone that feels like more of a meaningful conversation, it can be ruined by people focusing more on what they want to respond to an answer rather than listening to what that person has to say. You know, when you're talking and you can feel like the person isn't really listening to what you're saying, but it's just trying to come up with an answer about what they can say to you because they care more about projecting that answer to the the world rather than hearing what you have to say and making a space for that. They more want to make a space for their own words. Those can be really kind of, oh, you know what? I don't actually want to talk about this right now with you. Like that's not like, It, it kind of, for that moment when you're talking, that person needs to feel like that attention is on them. They have the microphone, you're listening and you just need to make space for that and you need to be able to listen. Because when you're listening, you can better read a person and you can tell whether this conversation is going to be like one of those important ones or it's not. And I think listening gives people the space to give that conversation to you. But you also have to remember that no one owes you a conversation. No one owes you any of their honesty. No one owes you their vulnerability. That That's not something you owe. People can open up and want to give it to you, but it's not something you owe. And I think this is another part about having more meaningful conversations is recognizing that not everyone will want to have them. Don't be that person that try and lands a conversation on someone when they really don't want it. Some conversations people aren't ready to have yet. Some conversations people don't want to have yet. And that's well in their right. Everyone has boundaries. And I think it's really important to recognize those boundaries. Really important not to dig where you shouldn't be digging. You know, you're not an interviewer. They are not, they are not in an interview. They are allowed to have that space for them. Because also, although 
asking questions and pushing people to talk about things can artificially create a safe space for someone to talk about things I think it can sometimes push people too far and it can make them feel kind of on the spot and it can make them say things that they might not be ready to say or that they haven't fully processed and then they might say something that they don't mean and then they're going to feel anxious about that because they don't feel like they said it in the right way because they haven't been given the space to properly think and talk about it and so rather than asking people the direct questions asking people exactly what you want to know or exactly what you think they should talk about what I saw I saw a TikTok of someone talking about this and I can't remember the creator's name and it was talking about how girls ask stupid was rude of the car girls can ask like seemingly stupid questions in a conversation to get people to open up to get people to feel like they have a space to talk about things and I think this is so important when you're having meaningful conversations because as I said you don't want to artificially make someone feel like they can be there you don't want to artificially make someone feel like they have spit the space to talk you want that to feel genuine but you want that to create you want the person to create that themselves because when they create it themselves and they are ready to be vulnerable and then they feel more okay about being vulnerable and I think this is why asking little questions which aren't aren't the big questions aren't too intense you know the questions that you can ask people I feel like for example asking like asking someone where did your parents grow up or something when they're talking about something that you know they want to talk about more maybe but you're not really sure what they want to talk about asking where they grew up totally irrelevant to the story but it shows that you're interested it gives them a space now to talk about their parents and it gives them a space to kind of guide the conversation where they want to guide it because this is the thing having more meaningful conversations is about having an exchange it's about having a two-way street where you're not forcing one route, they're not forcing one route, you're just seeing where the conversation is flowing. And I think this is why it's important to ask more open-ended questions, to ask ask the questions that don't absolutely dictate what you have to discuss. And I think a lot, again, about having these more meaningful conversations is realising that when people are talking to you, they aren't necessarily looking for advice. And this is something that has taken me a long time a long time to process and realize and acknowledge that every time someone speaks to me they're not asking for me to fix it they're not asking for a solution they're just asking for some space to talk about the things that are bothering them and I think giving someone that space to just feel something is really really important recognizing that when someone wants to know what what you think of a situation they'll ask you what would you do what do you think I should do about this But just after they've told you something, just after they've offloaded, they might not want some advice. They don't want you to fix it. They just want you to hold that space where they feel like they can talk. And I think that's something that I've spoken a lot about in therapy is having, is how with feelings, I feel like I have to be quite like logical about them. I'll say I'm feeling something and then I'll kind of rationalize it. But she was saying to me today how sometimes feelings aren't rational. And you don't have to rationalise it. It just can be the way it is and that's okay. Not everything has to be logical. You are allowed to just feel things. And it kind of made me think about my fix mentality, about how I need to fix things and make things better. And I think having these conversations, it's really important to realise that you don't always need to be offering advice. People will ask you for that advice when you need to. And you can kind of sometimes ruin a meaningful conversation when you're constantly offering that advice because you're taking up some of that space for something that the person doesn't necessarily want and I think that's something that I've learned 
over the years of giving people advice that they never really asked for is how that space can sometimes put people off telling you things because then they don't want to tell you things because they're just scared about you then using that as a place to give advice and talk about your own things and not that there shouldn't be space to talk about your own things but that space then is about them and again want to bring this back to the need to be vulnerable because the issue I have found is that when people tell me something bad or open up to me or want to have a more meaningful conversation feel and I feel like I'm connecting with them when they offer me something like they're vulnerable about something I then feel the need to be vulnerable about something else and I don't know if that's necessarily right because vulnerability I think it is a two-way street I think you don't owe anyone anything and in a conversation you should never feel like you have to disclose anything about yourself like you are allowed to have boundaries and that's important sometimes you're not ready to talk about something and that's okay but I feel like my trickiest thing is that as I said when someone tells me something I feel like I need to tell them something back so they either feel less alone in it or they feel like they're on an equal footing so they don't feel on their own with it and my therapist said that's a bad thing to do because it makes it sound like I I like I don't owe anyone anything But I also, you know, I struggle with it because in those moments, I also think it makes you realise how much closer you all are, how there's these like invisible strings of commonality that hold us all together. When you are able to be talking about something and you're both able to connect on something that you didn't realise you connected before and it's a thing that was so vulnerable to you and so vulnerable to them as well. I think ultimately having more meaningful conversations comes when you're prepared to be your truest self. You can't make a meaningful conversation when you're not truly being yourself because that conversation, that connection that you're having with someone isn't sustainable because you are not being your truest self. And I think the entire experience will then be clouded by the lack of truth because when you're thinking about that conversation you had with someone, all you're thinking about is how you pretended to be someone that you're not. And I think taking a deep breath and realizing that you don't owe anyone anything, but you owe yourself to be the truest version of yourself within a conversation is important. Because I think when you show up as someone other than yourself, when you try and pretend to be someone you're not, and I'm not saying you can't grow into new people, I don't mean like that, but you know when you're like proper, proper faking who you are, you're not showing your true opinions about things, you're not letting your like charisma and joy about different things show up, you're embarrassed, you're scared of being cringe, and you're just really acting very guarded. I feel like in those moments where you're not allowing yourself to be truly you when you're not allowing yourself to express yourself fully it's indicating to yourself that there's something embarrassing about yourself that there's something to hide and I think everything because if everything was right about that person if everything was right about who you are then you'd be showing them off then you'd be proud to be who you are and I think this is where the key really in having these meaningful conversations is getting to know yourself getting to know yourself so that in these moments you can show up truly as you are, you can be the most honest version of yourself, you can have the conversations that allows you to connect with someone because I think having more meaningful conversations, the key for that is having true connection, truly connecting with someone else is such like a beautiful thing and I think it's it's the point of why we're all here, we're all here to just connect with other people and create a world that is filled with so much love and joy and happiness and good things and I think connection allows us to do that because it makes us realize that we're not alone like humans are social creatures but I think the way you can make those connections more meaningful is when you can on your side establish who you are on your own if you imagine like a phone line and you're calling someone up and you're trying to connect someone if you have really bad signal because you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're trying to connect on, it's not going to work. The conversation's going to drop in and out. It's, it's not going to feel like the one. But if you have five bars of signal, okay, 
that conversation is going to be great. It's going to be clear. It's going to be crisp. You're going to be able to unfold things about yourself. And I'm not saying you have to know everything about yourself, but I'm saying get, take the time to get to know yourself at least, you know, take yourself out for coffee, spend time on your own, let yourself be lonely. Because when you're lonely, that's when you truly are alone, that you learn how your brain thinks. When it's not clouded by other people's like inputs, that's how you learn who you are. I know being lonely is scary and being bored is scary, but it's in those moments where I have had to spend so much time on my own that I've got to understand myself in a new way. And I've got more comfortable having conversations about bigger things. I've got more conversation comfortable creating space for other people because I know how I am. I know what I stand for. I know how my brain thinks and I know how to navigate it. And I think this is the key to having more meaningful conversations is finding out who you are. It's working out who you are in all of this and you don't have to have it all figured out, but at least try and have the foundations or make an effort to find the foundations, you know? I think this is the thing. Not everything has to be perfect before you start something, but just start. So I feel like if you can take anything away from this podcast episode, it's work out who you are or make an effort to work out who you are. Make space for people in a conversation. Think about how you're reacting to people. Are you focused on them? Are you creating a safe space for them to talk? Are you truly listening? And just listen and let them tell you what they want to tell you and don't pry if they don't want to talk about something. Look into reading people. Think about how you can read them. Listen to their tone of voice. If they're skipping over things, maybe they don't want to talk about something. And remember, they don't owe you anything, okay? I know it can be really fun, like not fun, that's the wrong word, but there can you can be craving that information about them, but that's not yours to get, you know? That's theirs to offer. And I think that's really important. And if you create that safe space and you are listening and they're able to open up to you, think about whether or not you want to share your version or your event with them as well. Think about whether or not you want to connect. I mean, I always do, but that doesn't make it right. And not sharing doesn't make it wrong. Like there's no right or wrong. It's solely dependent on that moment. But creating that space where people are able to talk, are able to have that connection with someone, I think is really, really special. And remember, they're not always asking for your advice. Sometimes people just want someone to listen. And I think that's the key to having a good conversation is being able to listen, being able to show people that this is a space where I hear you and you're welcome here. But anyway, on to the questions for this week's podcast. So the new things I've done this week is using ChatGPT to buy me a lot of food. I got it to make me a meal plan because I've realised, as you guys know, I've been cycling the same four meals for about two months now and it's time to break out of that trap. It's time to try some new things. But I didn't know what I fancied trying. And so I got ChatGPT to make me the meals and two of them were really nice. The curry was really nice. This aubergine dish was really nice. The one I had tonight was not that nice. It was like a Mexican rice thing, but I'm not gonna lie, I basically just had beans and rice. Like, that was it. And a bit average, to be honest. But it has made me realise how using... I asked, I, the thing I asked it to do was like, can you make me this, like a set of meals for the week that kind of use overlapping ingredients so I don't have to buy loads of different things? Because that's my issue. I don't want to buy loads of different types of ingredients because it's expensive. I just want to be able to buy like a chunk that I can use for different things. And so that has actually been quite helpful. It got, it made me the food list and I got everything and it wasn't that expensive. It cost me like 30 quid and nothing's gone to waste. I haven't thrown anything out apart from my spinach, which did go off because I bought one that was like, had a really soon sell by date, which was really annoying, but it smelt really weird. And I just thought, 
no, I'm not eating that. And then when I washed it, like all this green stuff came off and I thought, this guy got E. coli from eating gone off spinach. And ever since I realized that, I just have not wanted to risk it with spinach because it's so wet and moist. Things really grow very quickly in it. So yeah, never use gone off spinach. Other new things I've done this week are I'm really into Dolly Alderton's book, Everything I Know About Love. I'm late to the party, I know. And I'm going to do a full podcast episode on it. But wow, it's brilliant. She was my favourite podcaster and I was so, she had the high-low podcast and when that ended, I was gutted. It ended, I think I was going through my breakup when it ended and I was like, oh, so many things are leaving me right now. But I love that podcast and I love her book and it just feels, I think that's what's helped me not feel so lonely this week is reading that book, which is really nice. Other new things, I'm really in my documentary era. I've realised I've watched so much TV recently and I'm watching The Summer I Turn Pretty, which I know is shit, but it's so shit that it's actually good, so we're not going to judge on that. Uh, but I watched the free diving documentary and the Mark Cavendish documentary. Now, I've never watched a cycling race in my entire life. I've never even understood what free diving was. But this just made it so much more interesting. The Mark Cavendish documentary, I was on the edge of my seat. I was excited the entire time. Like I, re- This is what I've realised. I don't like watching sport, but if it's in a documentary type thing where they're just showing me the best bits and they're skipping all the boring bits, love it. Like films about ho- like horse, I was going to say horse drivers, but that's not the right word. Horse racers, Secretariat, you know, oh, great film, great film. I love watching things like that. And so I'm currently in my documentary era. So watch those two things. Would highly recommend. I can't watch Major. It's making me too anxious. Also, even the summer I turn pretty is making me quite anxious. I can't lie. I've been skipping through 15 second parts where I feel like they're going to kiss. Because if you know, you know. I don't want to spoil anything. But it's dramatic. Also, loads of my friends are now watching Firefly Lane. And I can't wait to discuss this with someone. Because I've discussed it with one of you. But I feel like I have so many other things to say. I've also thought about re-watching Gilmore Girls. But... You know, when you watch something, when you're not feeling very happy, like I watched it as I was just in my breakup, literally day in, day out. And I just feel like I can't rewatch it, which is sad that that TV show has gone now. But maybe I'm being petty. Maybe I just need to give it a shot. Maybe there is still some potential there. But anyway, you've been listening to me rabbit on for long enough. Thank you for being here. Honestly, it means the world to me. I am so, so, so grateful. If possible, if you could subscribe to the podcast, that would make my day. And follow me on Instagram and on TikTok. Best not forget that. But I love you and I hope you're having a brilliant day and I can't wait to speak to you again next week. I'll speak to you soon. I love you. Bye. So onto the question part for this week's podcast. When I'm recording, I actually have to take the headphones off because I just get really distracted listening to my own voice and I just start making noises, I've realised, and just get entertained with the microphone. So headphones are off. Let's go. What is your love language? I'm not going to lie. I think pretty much everything. I've thought about this a lot and like, I love, I think it's maybe acts of service because I think my words of affirmation to people are my acts of service. I don't know if that makes sense. When I'm thinking love language, it's the way that I like to express love. I think the way that I like to express love is like, no, I like, like, I just, I don't know. I feel like I like doing everything. I don't think there's a specific thing that I think it's, like writing a letter to someone and telling them how much they mean to me. I love writing birthday cards, even though I always forget. I always write it and then forget to bring it with me when I need to go, which is really annoying. But I love writing people really nice cards and telling people how much they love, like how much they mean to me and how much I love them and like things I like about their character. Like 
love nothing more than a really heartfelt birthday message, you know? I also love doing things for people, like, like, if it was your birthday, I'd make the room, like, super special, put balloons everywhere, set it up, get you some flowers, like, make the room special, make you feel special, I love doing things like that, I don't know any other things, I'm not gonna lie, I think it's more acts of service, but then also I just like being with people, um, physical touch, I think, is important to show people that you love them, because that's kind of, like, how you know, like, a hug when you're feeling sad is pretty great, I feel like everything, you know, What's your favourite aspect trait about your personality? Mm. I think I'm stronger than I think I am. I think I used to think I was like a weak person. Not weak. Weak sounds like like I'm shitting on myself. Not a weak person, but I think when shit hits, hits the fan, like I know I'm dramatic and I know that I can make like a scene and I am a dramatic person like I have a podcast just talking about my own thoughts you know like I'm dramatic but when things get tough and if something like actually bad happens I think I'm actually quite I'm like strong in those moments I also think I'm a good friend like I like that about myself I think I'm I think no do you know what it is my favorite thing about myself is how much I care about other people and how much I love other people and how much like like, I love you all so much, and it's like a proper, like, I feel like we're all really good friends, and I think that's the thing I like about myself, is how much emotion I feel, and how much I can channel that into loving the people around me, does that make sense? How are you feeling about starting a new job? (laughs) Another thing I have been ignoring, finishing my master's and starting my new job, which is pretty characteristic of me, I tend to ignore big things that are coming, you know, I'm a little bit nervous, like, I am nervous about it, but I'm also, the things that, like, what I'm doing right now, that masters, I, I can't do that again, and it's made me realise how I never want to do a PhD, ever, for the rest of, like, I, just, I actually can't do that, it'll push me over the edge, this has been the hardest year of my life, and I know there's probably gonna be, like, really hard ones, but academically, this one was, this one was tough, and so I'm excited to start working, I feel like so much of my life has been leading up to that final moment, that part where it all starts, and now it's about to start, I feel ready for it, so although I am nervous, because it is change, and it is starting something new, I'm also ready to just kind of, I'm quite excited about it, I can't lie, um, what is it exactly you're doing your master's in? So I'm doing my master's at London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in the control of infectious diseases. So it's been a really, really interesting course and I didn't really know anything about it until I found this one because I was really interested in outbreaks, like disease outbreaks, dengue outbreaks. It was when the Zika outbreak happened that I started to get really interested in how we control them and stop spreads of diseases and stop epidemics. And then when COVID happened and I realised how much diseases can implicate all of our lives, I'd done medical microbiology as my undergrad. And so I decided that I really found diseases really interesting and I knew that they were going to be something that massively impact our lives in the future. And so kind of realised I needed a little bit more. I wanted to do more public health things because I had a very good knowledge of the foundational diseases, but I didn't know how I could apply that to the world around me and how I could protect people. I didn't have that type of knowledge. And so that's why I chose my master's because it's got a mixture of public health, of stats, of epidemiology, and it's been brilliant. Like if you're interested in doing the master's, message me and I'll chat to you about it because it is honestly incredible. It's been the best programme I could have chosen. My summer project has been so interesting. So, so interesting. But it has been hard and I'm just I'm just proud of myself for getting through it 
Okay, tips to arriving at uni the first time. I'm not going to answer this because I'm going to do a full podcast episode on going to university. It's going to be the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to leave that one, but it's coming, don't worry. Maybe I'll do it for next week's episode because you guys might be going soon. So I feel like that'll be good for then. Right, onto the anonymous questions because I am aware that I have been talking for a while. I kind of have a 10 minute limit on this section because I feel like there's a limit to how long people want to hear me answer questions. What's your worst personality trait? I overthink things. I really overthink things. The scenarios that go on in my head are mental. You know, like I will I will overthink things until you really can't overthink it anymore. And I think that can make me... And also, I can be quite persistent with... If I want to do something, I can be quite... I can be very stubborn about it. And I think that's not a good personality trait because then sometimes like when other people don't want to do that, which is obviously fine and they are well in their right to not want to do it, I can be like quite stubborn with me wanting to do it and it's something that I am working on tips for loneliness I recently moved to London for an internship moved in with strangers and I'm meeting so many new people I'm super shy should find it hard to make friends but I want to explore the city as much as I can well this is a good time to ask this question because I felt a little bit lonely this week not not in a dramatic way just in a I've had a lot of time on my own I've kind of felt like I want to do things but I haven't done them because I've been a bit nervous about it. It was like really silly, but I got really nervous about going to this other Primark in Hackney. I just felt nervous about going on my own. I felt, oh, and that's just because I spent so much time on my own recently. And I think the first thing that I would recommend, and I started doing it as soon as I moved to London, was I would just take myself out to do things every week. I'd spend maybe like a couple of hours and I used to go for this walk from my university down to the Thames, along the Thames, up to like Tower Hill Station. Like it was a long walk, but it became this kind of like little routine that I used to do. And I think London can be really overwhelming the amount of people that you're meeting, especially when you're in an internship because you have so many opportunities to meet people. But the way that I kind of helped ground myself and help myself feel calm and make sure that I felt like I was still exploring London and getting the most out of it but also wasn't feeling so totally overwhelmed is making sure that I took myself on a little solo date each week and that can be literally going to a new cafe and reading your book somewhere new it can be taking yourself out for dinner whatever you fancy but recognizing that you need to carve that time out for yourself another thing as well that was really important for me is I know it can feel like you need to say yes to everything and definitely say yes to things. You, like, you want to make plans, you want to meet your housemates, you want to bond with them, but make sure that you still like keep some moments so you have a bit of a routine about... So for me, Sundays, Sunday's a reset day. Sunday morning, that is my day. Yeah, that is my time where I clean my room, I get my shit sorted, I might do a food shop, you know, I do all of these jobs that I need to have done for the week and that makes me feel more settled And I think as soon as you start having a bit more of your routine in this life, you'll feel kind of less overwhelmed with it all. So my biggest tips for loneliness, it sounds silly, but I think the way you get around feeling lonely is starting to create more of a life for yourself. But in doing that, creating a routine can be really beneficial. Saying yes to people, going to the pub, making the plans, realising you can leave at any point, realising that you don't have to stay is also really important. And be proud of yourself for everything that you're doing. Moving to London is a big step. I was terrified, okay? And it took me a while to feel like I was sinking in and feel like I was fitting in. But I think taking myself on those solo dates every week made me feel like I'd like this is what I moved to London for to experience London and I'm doing it on my own and slowly like the friends come in you know it takes time to meet people it takes time to get to know people I've been here a year and I still don't feel like I know that many people but it's more about getting to know people really well like 
it's quality rather than quantity is what I'm trying to say. Okay, I'll do one more because I realise I've gone over the 10 minute limit and then we will go. Okay, tips to stop comparing myself to others. It's taken over my life. Realise that you don't know everything that's going on. It's so easy to compare your life to other people's lives, but you don't know the full picture. So you're comparing your full picture with all the good things and the bad things with just the good things of theirs. It doesn't make sense. It'd be like comparing two different paintings. Yours uses every single colour in the rainbow and theirs just uses blue. And you're thinking they're the same. You know? It it doesn't make sense to do that and it's not realistic and you're not going to make yourself feel happier. And it is a work in progress, but I think the ways that you stop doing it is you have to start fighting with the part of your brain that starts wanting you to do it. You have to start telling it, no, that's not... Like, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm happy for them. And I think also, when you're comparing yourself to others, realise that there is enough love and joy in the world for you to be able to have it as well. Just because they've got something doesn't mean that you can't have it. And that's something that's taken me a while to realise. But anyway, on to the new things I've done this week.